0: Good Tuesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Tuesday night flight. It's me. It's me. It's the big guy KG taking the mothership out for a spin. Uh, We're going to burn all the gas out of it right about now because James is going to be away for homecoming. I don't know where Don is, so we better burn all the gas. We can right now. Got the man that pays all the bills, the boss BJ, the aficionado of everything. Cause I ain't never met a dude that, that 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 dabbles in everything, you know, from baseball to basketball to women's basketball to Midnight Rider. Gentlemen, how y'all feeling tonight? Good, man. Good. That's good. That's good. Uh, My
1: feet hurt. You yeah. had to stay away from Chris respond. My feet hurt.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, okay, we're gonna get him some Epsom salt and um, take care of him feet did a lot of walking today did a lot of walking today but uh hey we got our steps in today i can say that i think we did 10,000 steps or more 10,000 i think so i have to look but let's jump into this thing off the break steve nash fired <laughs> I called this when he was hired. I'm not going to say, you know, hey, I'm happy he got fired. I'm not saying nothing of the sort because I'm not happy he got fired. He should have never got the job because there were other qualified coaches. Now they're talking about uh, getting Emmy Udoka from Boston as their head coach. So uh, go around the room, start with you, BJ, and then we'll go to the midnight ride and I will finish this thing up. So uh, what you got?
1: Uh not much. He should have never been hired. We talked about that um when he got hired. Like you said, you know, I'm I'm echoing exactly what you said was way more qualified guys to get that job for that, you know, for him to walk into that job with you know top three player, top one of the top point guards, just a, a head scratching move for Brooklyn. But on the flip side, I mean Doka like that. Austin's laws will be Brooklyn's game. That is going to be – if they grab him, it's going to be a game-changer, man. I think he can really get that, that team going and turn them around. Um, so, is it official yet?
0: No. No, i not they're talking about yet? 24 to 48 hours. I think it's still some stuff that has to go on for that to happen. And,
1: and before I give it to Midnight Rider in that Emmy and Doka situation, it's his situation – should have never escalated to what it was now. Um, I think Boston gravely overreacted uh, and there's no repairing that situation. And, you know, we don't know, you know, every little nook and cranny, but, you know, the situation, you know, I don't think you want to see him walking through the, the office, you know, <laughs> in light of what happened and, and, you know, who is he was allegedly sleeping with. So that would never work again. So, I think is about to be on the come-up, gentlemen. What you got, Midnight, Midnight Rider? Uh,
0: I'm kind of concerned on this one because I'm trying to figure out if the Celtics own enough of M.A. Doka's rights because of the suspension, because he is still in the contract, if there has to be some kind of compensation for this move. I don't think it has to be because the league didn't suspend him. So since it's a personal thing, I think that's the one thing that gives – the Nets uh, are out to this. I know Woe said it, something about 24 to 48 hours before it's finalized. Uh, I think if the Nets do their homework, I'm not sure how this is gonna play out because depending on the allegations, you also have to be concerned about what other things are in the in the background laying the weeds. So I, I wonder about that, but I do think MA has enough um, cachet as a coach, that KG and company will actually listen to him. Whereas before, when Steve Nash was hired, I think they even made the statement like, oh, we could coach ourselves. And I think they tried to. And I think that's what hurt this transaction more than anything else in the world. KG? Well, I'll say this. This was the third season for Steve Nash. Um, First season, 48-24, and second in the Atlantic. Uh, Last season, 44-38, fourth in the Atlantic. This year two and five overall. Uh, he was fired early into the season, which is odd, but I guess you want right to write the ship. Um, his overall coaching career, 94 and 67. Uh went to the playoffs each year. He's coached. They were swept last year, um, year before what they lost in the conference semi-finals. So He wasn't getting the most out of that roster. And I I said that that Nets roster was kind of, you know, top heavy. You had Katie, you had Kyrie, you got you had Harden and you couldn't win because when they didn't have those guys, you had Karis LaVert as your your dog and they 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 were one of the favorite teams. And you come in with these superstars and you can't do anything. It says a lot. So um, we'll see. Let me ask this real quick before we get out of here quickly. Will Steve Nash get another head coaching job?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I just hope and pray it's not in exactly. Chicago. So. No, nah, it'll be um, somewhere um, in the middle of the country where, um, where he can kind of live off the Steve Nash legacy and coach the team. And then hopefully he'll get something that fits him better. Cause I just didn't think that thing fit him at all. I agree. It just it doesn't seem like Brooklyn, Brooklyn, period, fit him. It's, right. it, you know, he's a middle middle America. He's a a Memphis guy. A, a dare I say it, Dallas, um, Suns. You know, maybe right. even Toronto. He, he that's where he could coach at, and I think he would flourish because it's more of his scene. Is that on his ocean ability? Isn't he Canadian or something like that? Yeah, okay. Actually, he's South African, but he's has Canadian, okay. he's born in Johannesburg, but he's uh has Canadian citizenship, you know, right? And he, came, he came to league via um Santa Clara, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so next up on the docket, I will. Myself in the midnight ride of our Washington Commanders win yesterday, 17-16 over the Colts. Uh, pretty impressive. Um, if I do say so myself, because this team looks different when they rally around Taylor Heineke, and it's a lot of fans. I won't name them because this is their opinion. They were very critical of Heineke during that game, but when he pulled it out, they were singing his praises. And it seems to be like that an awful lot. It was like that when he was a starter. Man, we need a better quarterback. We need we need somebody better than Heineke. You go get somebody better than Heineke. And you know where they at? I mean, he's on the bench now, but he was two and four as a starter. Heineke has won two straight games. Overall, the team has won three. Uh, just thoughts on the game from yesterday, gentlemen. DJ,
1: look, man. I'm riding the Taylor Heineke train. Yeah, you know we say it every week. He's not the most talented guy, but he makes plays, makes things happen. And right now, you know, no quarterback trade was made, you know, before the deadline. So that's where you got to ride out. And I I said the last, our last. I don't think you'll see Carson Wentz back. If he keeps winning, it's no way you could put Carson Wentz back in there, and disrupt that. I mean I would just keep riding the hot hand. Um I, I just I feel <clears> like they're 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 still not taking advantage of his strengths. I really I, I, I don't feel like that. I feel like they're just like here this is what we want to run and this is what you're going to run instead of all right we're going to take advantage of things you do well. I, I still don't see that and I, and I blame that on Scott Turner and Ron River. So, um, a W is a W no matter how ugly it is. Um, uh, McLaurin comes up big once again, ride the hot hand, man, ride the hot hand until the wheels fall off of you, you and keep getting W's. And hopefully as a commanders fan, you're just hoping week by week it gets better a little bit. The offense moves a little smoother every week. Heineken can get his legs and get a rhythm and then you could just go from there and just, you know, ride it, man. Mm.
0: I've seen this show before. I've watched this movie. Um, his name could be, if you're at Notre Dame, it's Ian Book. If it's University of Florida, it's Tim Tebow. If it's the Denver Broncos, it's Tim Tebow. If it's the Washington Redskins, it's Todd Collins. Um, I've seen... If it's Notre Dame again, it's Carlisle Holiday. I've seen this um, story before where the defense, like for 55 minutes, for 58 minutes, whatever it is, the offense doesn't really contribute. The defense keeps you in the ball game. Um, and I only wonder, and you know who else? Alex Smith. Alex Smith in Kansas City, San Francisco, in Washington. All of these things that I see, they win. And I give them credit for that. But when you go against the echelon, that that upper tier, where they don't make the mistakes and kill themselves, that's when they struggle. And I think the the good thing for this stretch is you face Justin Fields and the team that struggled in Chicago. You faced um, the Colts, who are struggling. And then you face Green Bay, who I don't even know if Green Bay knows that they're Green Bay. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers looks in the mirror and knows he's Aaron Rodgers. He gotta he gotta talk to that man in the mirror to figure it out and get the truth. Um, and stop doing whatever that little drug is that he was doing during the summer. Um, he might be still hallucinating. I don't know. So um a win is a win. I'm happy for the win. I get I'm nervous about the going forward because the next two weeks we could be sitting here at four and six, and then everybody's trying to figure out what this team is, but then you get the schedule coming back to you. The next three weeks where you get Atlanta and company. So it's it's almost where I think this schedule might lend itself. That it's gonna be it's gonna be a roller coaster. You have some ups and downs. And I think the next two are struggles. And then if you can still win those two, it's great. But if you can't, I think you're in the position that I thought you we were gonna be in before this. KG. I saw the faces <laughs> when you say Carlisle Holiday, don't Carlisle Holiday special place right here. Dude, do you know that team, they, like, led the country in turnover ratio mm-hmm. that year. Dude, we weren't um, very good. They they weren't a good team. They just didn't make mistakes, and they capitalized on all mistakes. And that was the difference. That's why this Hanukkah thing just doesn't – I'm just not comfortable with it. Like, I can see it in short doses, but I just can't see it. Um,
1: can I? Go ahead. Can I, can I step in? I. I tell y'all this all the time. I watched this for 20 years, the same show, every Sunday, a dominant defense and a Buffalo offense that couldn't move a push lawnmower 10 yards, but the defense was so, that, and I dare to say it now because I don't want to jinx That those Buffalo defenses, that London Fletcher led, those were Super Bowl defenses, those were Super Bowl defenses. If you had us, we and we didn't have a Taylor Heineken. We had J.P. Lossman, Trent Edwards, Kyle Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Kyle, Kyle wasn't actually bad. He almost got us to the playoffs that year before he retired. I have seen this over and over. The difference is that offense did not have – a guy that they rallied behind and love. They, 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 it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was non-existent. They were just out there going through the motions. The difference with the commanders team I see is that even with the offense struggling, I think those guys feel like Taylor can pull something, the rabbit. He has it. If they, if they're close, he can pull the rabbit out of the hat. The rabbit might be dead when he pulled it out the hat or the, the, the legs are missing, but he can pull it out of the hat and give you a chance to win. And that's all you can ask for. All you can ask for right now is, I mean, because look, this offense was even with Carson Wentz's stats, this offense was bad, right? And with Wentz back there, it's like, did you really feel like as a Commander fan, you had a chance to win? You know, it's like, now, with Heineken in it, as anemic as that offense is at times, when that last drive is going, you like, all right, well, let's do it. Like, you know, you 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 have that feeling like you might have a chance. Where I didn't feel like that with Carson Wentz. I didn't feel like I felt like all right, that you know, something's gonna happen where this ball is probably going the other way for a pick six. Heineken gives you that, and I and I get what the midnight rider is saying, it's just like the ceiling is probably, you're probably at the ceiling. You probably got like two or three more inches to hit the ceiling. But I think with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, they're still not utilizing him to what he can do. Why are we not seeing more RPO? Why are we not seeing him scramble more? Why, 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 why? That would change the dynamic of the opposing defenses coming in. They have to. They have to plan for that. We're looking at Josh Allen do it. We're looking at Lamar do it. Two a dozen at times. All these quarter, Justin Fields, Hurts, uh, They you have to play. It changes the – it opens the defense up. They showed the Buffalo highlight last night with Green Bay. They came out on four or five wide receivers, and Green Bay had to cover them. The middle of the field was wide open. Josh could have ran 15, 20 yards. That is what you open up. You put four or five wide receivers out. Let them run. Now they got to address that. And they're not doing that. It's so frustrating watching this. And it's like simple little things. It's like Scott Turner is turning into uh, Al Saunders. Here's go my 1100 play playbook and you're going to run it to a T. I don't care what you do well. This is what I do and this is what we're going to run. And it's just it's sickening to see. Like, I feel like the commander's offense could be so much more now i'm not saying they, they, they're going to be elite they, they're not going to move the ball like kansas city or buffalo but they could be way more effective than what they are right now and it's just it's frustrating to say the least
0: well let me let me say two things number one if i had to compare him to a quarterback it would be shane falco the replacements Yes, because what does Shane Falco have that you couldn't measure? Heart. You Heineke has more heart, and you cannot measure that. Heart. He plays with more heart and more passion, and just the way he leads this team, it's a different team when he's under center. It may not be glamorous and glitzy what everybody in this fan base wants, but damn it, if it's producing wins, shut the hell up and ride the wave. Like, really, man, just let's just ride the wave and leave it alone. Like, you want him to be Patrick Mahomes. You want him to be Josh Allen. You want him to be all these quarterbacks that he's not. Let him be Taylor. That's it. But Secondly, what were you promised? Huh? What were you promised? You were promised this all season that they were going to figure out this quarterback situation. And we didn't. When we picked up, when we signed, when we traded for Wentz, did I like it now? statistically this team should be seven and one at 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 at, at worst seven and one with statistically looking at wins and how he's passing oh you would think this is a seven and one team but obviously his stats his personal stats aren't translating the wins so i mean that's just that's just my opinion but uh you you know i gotta do it so midnight ride not gonna be too happy with me but uh you know what they say. Left hand up. Left hand up. Come on. Put your left hand up there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Put your left hand up. Ooh wee Commanders. I, look, I got to do it because oh man, I got to do it because it, it's like when I do that the next week, if I do it on Sunday, we win. So come on now. Don't be like that, BJ. Now, sticking with the NFL we had some moves today, and one of them was made in Washington. Uh, they called him the estranged quarterback cornerback. William Jackson was moved uh over to Pittsburgh. And I'll throw this to the Midnight Rider because he has everything to run down. So uh Midnight Rider, take it away with that trade talk. So the first or the biggest one you just talked about for Washington was William Jackson being traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and it was William Jackson and a 2025 7th round pick going to Pittsburgh for a 6th round pick in 2025. Now, the reason 2025 is important is because that's the furthest out a team can go when making a deal. This deal was a sign of just they wanted to get rid of him, but they knew they had to. If you make the trade with him, you can save yourself on the cap if you just outright release him, you still sit on that cap money. So I think that was the key to making them want to make a deal. And like Pittsburgh was just like, we, I mean, we'll take them, but, I, and I think we just twist their arm enough to, you know, get them to make the deal. That probably was one of the smaller deals on the day. Uh, one of the bigger ones or one of the more surprising ones, I guess the most surprising one to me was the Jacksonville Jaguars acquiring Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. Um, I'll get the conversation later, but just the fact that that deal was made says a lot. A's tells me that Jacksonville is trying to make a move ahead of time. so the drafting kid, they'll have somebody that is NFL ready and they can figure it out because I think they have a crazy escalator in his deal where I think it's for fourth in 2024. Then based on playing time and his options, it could get as high as a second. So that's uh the most surprising deal to me of the day. Uh tied for the most impactful move. Minnesota Vikings trading for TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think that gives them the perfect element in this offense that they're missing. I think they're starting to realize that AJ Thielen is kind of on his last leg. So they need something else to go with um Justin Jefferson. And yes, I'll say it again for you. I think I, um, Thielen's on his last legs. Well, look, look, Thielen don't need to be on his last legs to the end of the season. I got him in fantasy. <laughs> I'm trying to. Well, win I'm sorry, man. He just, it just doesn't look the same. Um, no, he doesn't. No, he, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> um, because I just think there's situations where normally they would go to him, but now because of the the way they run their offense, it's more Justin Jefferson heavy, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, the other big move was Miami acquiring Bradley Chubb from. The Denver Broncos, Miami, I think, feels like they're in the mix. And all Miami does on offense is uh they'll run the ball once, they'll throw one ball to hill, one ball to Waddle. They might run the ball again, they throw one ball to Waddle, one ball to hill. And with the two fastest wide receivers in the league, why not get them as mean targets and why not make them the focus of your thing? Um, the one trade I really didn't like. It's a little, it's gonna hurt you a little bit, KG, because he's a golden domer. But Claypool going to the Bears. Um, I just didn't I didn't get the conversation right away. Uh I thought Chicago, if anything, they would have moved the the Ravens pick, and there may be like NFL rules based around that, that I don't know. So that might be the reason why they couldn't trade that pick, but I would rather trade that than my second. Cause I think my second, if I don't finish out the season well, my season second will be higher than the one that the Ravens give me. So that's the only reason on that deal. And I didn't think he was worth the two, but we're not behind the scenes. It really simply could be Green Bay, somebody else being in the mix, and they wanted to give up three, and the two was the place that you had to go to make the deal work. Uh, I think it helps Justin Fields out a lot, gives him a guy that can stretch the field, uh, gives him actually a big receiver that can stretch the field. And maybe you can do some underneath stuff with Mooney. So now you have Henry, I'm sorry, Nikhil Harry, on the outside with Claypool, and maybe you run uh, Mooney in the slot. So that's really just kind of the short version of the day. I mean, this was probably the busiest NFL trade deadline that I've ever seen, and I think this is because of Sean McVay and company. Sean McVeigh and company have shown the league that stop worrying about tomorrow. This is a today league, and if you win today, ain't nobody going to worry about those damn draft picks that you gave up
1: To get to him. So that's it. And then on top of that, once you you get these players, you know, you win your Super Bowl, you can sell them off and get your picks back because there's going to be, there's going to be, it's always going to be five to six contending teams and somebody that needs a pass rusher, somebody that needs a left tackle, running back, something, right? Uh, To go back on the William Jackson, I heard Ron Rivera in a press conference saying, they made a bad evaluation. He's a, he was a man corner and you know they made they made the ba- a bad evaluation. It's just and, and you just listen to that and it's just like are oh, dude, are you serious? Are you serious? See, I heard that
0: and and I heard like, that from a standpoint. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm
1: sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, you good. I, I just don't understand that's for me to hear that, that's embarrassing. You Didn't know what this dude was when you went and got this dude. You didn't know what he played. That's like Landon Collins. It's the same situation. You didn't know this dude was an in-the-box safety and you got him covering the field. I, I don't I don't get the commanders. Like it's certain things that just make themselves look silly. Daily damn near. It's like spin the wheel. What are we gonna do today? All right, let's uh let's put our foot on our mouths. Let's say we didn't know this dude's style of play before we commit it to him. I don't get that. I don't get it at all. Um, Claypool, he, he's in the same boat as Juju. They're not number one receivers. They're good receivers. They're good complement receivers if you got a real number one on your team. All right? And Pittsburgh, I wish Jim was on here. Pittsburgh is one of them organizations. They don't like flashy. They don't like a lot of mouth. They, it, that's not how they operate. Play ball, put your head down, get your lunch pail. That's what Pittsburgh does. All this talking and back and forth, they don't do all that. So, you know, guys like that become expendable, especially when you're not producing on the field, right? Um, what was the other trade? I don't I did the Detroit trade. I Detroit doing Detroit things. Well, who trades in the division? In the division? trying to
0: Detroit understands where they are right now. And see you you guys talk about this. Think about this. When you talk Bradley Bill, when you talk Wizards, you talk about burn the house down, get the assets you can get. Right? That's what Detroit just did. Detroit just said, All right, we're not a contender. Why keep this top tier tight end on my team when I can get something for them? So that's kind of they they're doing exactly what they should be doing. You're two and six, or you're two and Maybe you're 1-5, whatever it is. Two and is. 2-6, and 1-6, you stink. You can't stop nobody. Somehow you fire your defensive backs coach, which doesn't make sense. And he – I feel bad for that guy because that guy four years ago should have been a D coordinator somewhere. But that's a whole other story talking about Anthony Pleasant – I mean, Audrey Pleasant. But, um, yeah, it's just they did the, the move that they should have made. Trade your best asset, get the best most you can for him, and keep it moving. You can find a tight end. The way these tight ends are coming out now, tight end and wide receiver the next five years is probably the easiest position to replace. And the reason that Claypool is out of um, Pittsburgh is George Pickens. And if Pickens was healthy last year, Pickens would have been, in that conversation when you had Garrett Wilson, Olave, Jamison Williams, that's where Pickens would have been. And the only knock on Pickens would have been his attitude. And so far from what I'm seeing from him, he hasn't been um, a dum dumb. so he's he's actually playing good ball. So that's another reason why uh, Chase Claypool was easy to get, get rid of. And Pittsburgh is wide receiver factory. You get drafted there, somehow you turn out and you play well. Uh, you, you get a second deal somewhere else, or you go or you go somewhere and flop because it's not the same training that you had in Pittsburgh. And, and
1: linebackers,
0: yeah, receivers and linebackers. Pittsburgh is famous for. Now you said something about this being a today league. And I had to laugh because I just had a conversation with my youngest son about being a tomorrow person. You can't be a a today person. You have to be a tomorrow person. That's a quote from Chuck. No tomorrow. People think about the future. They think about what's going to happen beyond today. Today, people think about the moment and then they don't think about the consequences and the repercussions of their actions today. Tomorrow, right. people think about all of that, and it, it made me laugh because I'm like, "Damn, how do we go from being to tomorrow people to now this is a today league? So you have to be a today person. You have to worry about today, right now, in this moment. And it, there's, only, there's but, only fourteen teams that are in that mix. Yeah, there's the, there's the seven that are the the top seven, the contenders, and then there's the bottom seven. So if you're in the bottom seven. Your today is, all right, I know I stink. Let's realize it, and let's acquire as many picks as we can to build this up. And if you're in the top seven, you're like, I got to win now because it's not promised. Mm-hmm. You can't, I mean, look, look at Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati's struggling. They're 4-4, four and four, chases out of four a couple of weeks. Can they get back? Can they hold on? You know, I mean, the bad thing for the commanders is we all play the same teams. Dallas, New York, and Philly all played – the NFC Central, and the AFC South. So when it comes to those games, you're losing because they're playing bad teams the same time you're playing bad teams. So can you make up the ground? And I think today was one of the situations in in a different world, maybe they take a different direction if they're led by a real GM. But because you keep doing these coach-centric situations, it's, it's, it's a problem. And then the other thing that B said, that um, really stuck out was, you know, when he was talking about Ron Rivera and the, the whole thing and he was talking about, well, I, I, I appreciate him saying they made a mistake because at least you honest about it. Cause you know, you made a mistake. Um, one thing y'all got to find, there's a joint with Pac-Man Jones on like Grant and Danny from the end of last month where Pac-Man Jones goes in on Adam Jones and I mean on um, William Jackson. And he also got that video that went viral with him talking about him being in the barbecue pit. So, uh, yeah, William Jackson got some issues, and I think it's just a mistake. And once you realize you make a mistake, cut bait and and figure it out. Okie dokie. Now, this right here, uh, this next segment, been a while since we pulled it out, but here goes. that's right ladies and gentlemen i got beef now this was brought to my attention by the boss bj um i don't think the midnight ride is gonna be too happy with me after i do this but i'm gonna say it so if you have children in the room please ask them to leave because it's about to get ugly in here now this goes out to the 17-time world champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, What kind of frag bullshit is that that you celebrate your coach's first win with dousing him with Gatorade like y'all just won a division? When do we start celebrating mediocrity, LeBron? AD, when do we start celebrating mediocrity? You are one in five, and you're celebrating like you just won a division. Is that that Pat Beverly shit rubbing off on y'all? Because that's not what it's supposed to be. We don't celebrate one win after you lost five straight. We don't celebrate winning a playing game, crying and jumping up on stands and tables and stuff. That's not what you do. This is the participation trophy era of sports. And I never thought a LeBron-led team would do some bullshit like this. Yeah, I got beef with that. Because one thing you don't do, yes, Darvin got his first win, great. Do that behind closed doors. There should be no cameras in there. Nobody should see you make a fool of yourself because that's exactly what you did, L.A. You made a fools of yourselves. How about you win five, six games in a row? Hey, try to win two games in a row because if you put one win together with another win, that means you have two wins. That means you're on a win streak, okay? Try to equal the success that came before you of some of the great teams and, and, and show that you actually got something going on. Celebrating with dousing water and all that because of one win? One? Like, I felt so much secondhand embarrassment watching that video. I felt it was cringeworthy. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I never seen anybody celebrate mediocrity like that. When did we become that as a sport? When did we become that As LeBron James and Anthony Davis as superstars, y'all celebrating it? Nah, man, cut all that. Okay, we got one. Let's open another. Hmm. Manhood issue, baby. Well, it is a manhood because they ain't got no hero. They got nothing. But this is what you do: you celebrate mediocrity like that. You're never gonna win. You're never you. What you gonna do when you're nine and seventy three? Hmm. What are you going to do then? You're going to celebrate that, too, when you win uh, number nine? You're going to be like it was in, 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 in 80 when when San Francisco won uh, their second game of the season. They tore down the goalpost out, out of candlestick, and it was so loud in the stadium. Randy Cross, like, it was so loud, we couldn't hit uh, the rest of the world laughing at us. How do you celebrate something like that? See, you got Alexa, play the whole town's laughing at me by Teddy Pendergrass, please because the whole town is laughing at you. Right now, the whole town is laughing at you because you wanna celebrate one win. There should be no celebration until you're in the NBA Finals and you clinch it and you bring Larry O'Brien trophy home. Okay, I'm done. So you can't celebrate your coach's first win? Not like that. Okay. That's a celebration, like oh, we just won the division had a hard fought race to win the division. Yeah, that's when you like, yeah, okay. Now it's time for the real shit to go on. But you know, it's happy that we fought for this. You got one win, one, and this team was supposed to be a damn powerhouse. This year. just like when bro- whoa, 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 whoa. Oh yeah, stop not that. Oh, whoa, whoa, no, no, whoa. No. whoa! Look, hold, could, on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, go this back. A, go, no, no, this no, is a, go back. shooter's league, right? Huh? This is a shooters' league, right? I get that and then no 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 hold on hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna help you out no 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 I, league, it's not me saying they was gonna be a powerhouse this is what shooters people league, saying. in a shooters league you lead the league and create off the dribble guys in a shooters league and then but you, like all said, the guys you talk about are guys that create off the dribble but and like, like I let's see, go get Terry Rozier he creates like off I the see. dribble he can't shoot like I said, they called them a powerhouse. Oh, the Lakers gonna be the favorite this year. Who they couldn't. How? The you should stop listening to them. You should have turned the Go turn to look, look at the preseason stuff, I man. go talk, look at
1: Instagram. When we talk, when we talk about the Lakers, I said that they be lucky if they make the plan. Lucky We're realistic. If they make the plan. We're realistic. I, ain't, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Lakers get the same coverage like the Cowboys and. You know, so you know all their business, but I don't recall anybody. I I know everybody was saying the Clippers were better than them. The Clippers were gonna manhandle them. Like I, I thought, I thought their ceiling was the seventh seed, and then now, getting, I didn't think that was that high. Then getting expeditiously expeditiously put out in the first round. I thought I that thought was playing team. game. Yeah, the, I you thought know, playing. My, yeah, and
0: you know, it's hard to say that about a LeBron led team. But here's the thing, and everybody says, Oh, well, the GM did this, and the GM. When is Rob Palenka gonna take some of that blame? Whoa, whoa, because Rob Palenka ain't the GM. What is he? GM entitled alone. <laughs> there's the, the, oh there's one God. person Look. that's that's doing these pickups or, or it, asking it, for these players. Is it, oh so you you blaming LeBron too? I'm not blaming LeBron, I just think we're dumb. I think we've done the dumbest in the year that you can actually be in a position that you might be in a lottery, your t- pick for this year is an unprotected swap. I'm going to say that again. It's an unprotected swap. So that's where Rob Planker gets the issue or the problem or the blame. Mm. It's because you sent a pick, and, yeah, you probably thought well, we won the championship, so we're not going to worry about it. But you always got to – in this situation, he should have been a tomorrow guy instead of a today guy, and mm. that pick should have been protected. Y- you know what? For everything that Rob Palenka is, I still got beef with him for what he did to Magic. Because I think it was him, it was because of him that, that Magic's exit got hastened the way it was. It was, it, and I don't know, I can't remember the story, but I know he had some dealings in it. And I didn't like how Magic was unceremoniously ousted from the Lakers organization. This is an organization that he helped continue the legacy. He start, He was a part of Showtime. And the moves that he made and the knowledge that he had should have been passed on. It's like, it's like when big John would come back to Georgetown, he had a role. He had a hand in everything. Some way they had to call him and ask for advice. Always. Now, Same thing. might that. be the problem they have now because they don't have nobody to call. You alienate. No, 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 no. I think the problem is you relied on big John too much that you didn't develop that next group, that next, those next thinkers. Um, so now Georgetown is going to struggle. I don't know what they what they are this year. I haven't watched enough basketball. Um, yeah. We 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 lost and a lot of players ugly last this year. year. And if it's ugly this year, I mean, I don't think guy, they letting Pat, they not letting Pat go. They got he to. Sounds, he, that, that's what that they, they have familiar. to do. That's he, the, that's he the, has the they have to. At some point, you have to cut the biblical cord to Big John and actually become a program that exists outside of the Big John shadow. You don't
1: do that. What, what Midnight you keep Ryder it in the family. It, what Midnight Rider just said is the same thing. And I know this ain't that this show, but it's the same thing that WWE is going through. They relied on a handful of people, and they did not develop the lower half of the roster. Hell, they didn't de- 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 develop the the latter 85% of the roster and now you have people that you you got bad wrestling, bad mic skills and you have a few people that are worth watching but 85% of the program is bad, it's garbage. When's so, the last time you I, watched I, WWE? Yeah. Um I I don't watch the show, but I watch I watch the highlights. Okay. Oh, it's gotten like, way
0: better since Triple H took over. I was about to say, I think, I think if you watch this version now, I think it's, I think what they've done is they've taken the lags out. Like with Vince, there's always like this lag, and then the matches weren't intense, they weren't quick, they yeah. weren't precise, right. precise. Um, and I think the one thing that Triple H has done is um, he's kind of added that immediacy, that urgency in each in each event. Um, and okay. then uh, I think the other thing is just the work that Sami Zayn is doing right now is probably some of the best work um, you, you'll see. And I know the only person that's going to be a detriment for is Kevin Owens because whatever program they had, this success of the honorary Uso, <laughs> <and> Sammy Uso, <laughs> yeah, Sammy Uso um, I think that's going to just push out for another four to six months. So it's, it's going to be a thing and it's going, it's going, it's probably going to last until the rumble at least. But I, I will say this. When it comes to Georgetown, I don't think I don't think Patrick Ewan has got the entire recruiting class. Because remember he had a good recruiting class the first year, but he lost a lot of those guys because they 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 wound up getting kicked off the team. Uh well, I can't think of the other cat. I don't know it was McClung and it was two other cats that got kicked off the team. Uh, the kid that ended up at like Arizona. I know you're talking okay. he, he wound, they wound up transferring out, and they were well, two. The that was but he but I heard he broke team rules. I heard both. All, all of them broke team rules and he sat them and they were upset that they, they got set. But if you break a rule, you gotta you you gotta suffer the consequences. But, yeah, but I don't think also you gotta modernize well, some. No, yes. Yeah. Like there's, I think there's a part of Pat that's still old school. Um, Like the infamous clip of the kid that shot the three pointer and like, he's like yelling in his face. Like, when do you practice that? When do you take that shot any other time? So why take that shot now? if you don't shoot that in practice, Um, I I agree with that. I I wholeheartedly agree. I just think some of that um, old school mentality just isn't going to rub this um, generation the right way. And that's the reason I say I think like you may have to get somebody else in besides Pat because mm-hmm. that message falls on deaf ears. Yeah, because here's the problem. You can't be in, in sports, period. Don't matter what sport it is, you can't be soft-hearted as a player. You got to be open to criticism. You have to, especially if it's constructive. It's not like I'm, I'm not saying beat a player down to the point that he don't feel confident in himself. But, no, look, you didn't practice that. Why take that shot? That's like when you're in practice. You don't practice shots that you're not going to take in the game. You don't practice throws, you don't practice catches that you're not going to try. You're not going you're not able to make in the game. You don't practice things you're not going to do in a game. You practice for the game. But you sitting there practicing, you 7 foot 4 and you supposed to be back to the basket and you shooting threes. Bro, come sit beside me. That's just my opinion though. But it, these kids sometimes are so soft-hearted. And like, it's like they can't understand. Yes, I am I have to show you tough love because I can't cod- coddle you because the world's not going to coddle you. You have to know. Yes, you can come to me. Yes, I can talk to you. We can have that. When you mess up, I'm going to let you know you messed up. I'm not going. Oh, come on. Don't worry about it. We'll get them next time. No. What are you doing? What was your thought process right there? What was your problem? What were, What were you thinking when you took that shot? Is that a part of the game plan? Is that a part of your game? No, it's not. Come have a seat. Think about what you did. But I grew up in a different era. My era was way more rougher when it came to coaching. BJ, you know it, and Midnight Rider, you know it. It was way more rougher when it came to this era. I mean, you know. But I I, I, I digress because we're going off on a tangent. Um. We'll have to talk about this Georgetown thing later, but we'll stick a pin in that. Um, Midnight Ride, I saw you put something up about uh, the Wizards and uh, DeLon Wright out for the Wizards' hamstring. He's supposed to be out for the next six to eight weeks uh, with a hamstring injury. I think that hurts some of their – I think they felt it the the last two games um, that they dropped. And the reason I say that is because I think he was their defensive guy he was kind of their glue guy to for lack of a better term this early. And I think it's a I think the Wizards have an indictment on them when um you lose a player, you have I think four first round picks. Rui, Kispert, Johnny. Um, I can't think of Johnny's last name. Um, and what's the other guy that you just drafted? You drafted one other player. Oh, Rui Hachimura. I mean not Rui, but um any other. When you have four first-round picks, and yet you decide to start a kid named Anthony Gill over them, that that, that gives me a, a moment for pause with this ball club, and it makes me wonder. I know um, Shepard has done a good job in getting some of this together, but I just I don't know where the player development is, and that's the part that bothers me right now, is what are we developing? What are we becoming? And when I say we, I mean the, the Wizards as a team, because they're not my team, but just what, are, what is the program
1: about? You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's been like that for forever. And you see it, if you look at the last couple championships, well, not last couple, but if you look back at championships, there have been Wizards that have been big parts of these championships, from Karan Butler to Brennan Haywood to JaVel McGee. All these got Nick Young. All these guys got championships. Um I don't know what it is with the Wizards. I, I I could I can't put a pin on it. I don't know. Um, I think that you know, and I keep I always go back to the two thousands Buffalo Bills. They they're one of these teams now where they have to reach for stuff. Nobody wants to go there. Um, you know they're not going to draw no big name free agents. I feel like they reach in the draft a little bit. Uh, I forgot the kid they just drafted this this past draft. I was actually happy with that pick, Johnny Davis. Um, that's his name. I, yeah, Davis. I was actually happy with that pick, but I felt like with Rue and uh, uh, Denny, I think I felt like they reached. I that's one of them, them drafts where I trade the pick and move on to next year, uh, stockpile some picks, and then that's when you see if you can get one of them top three guys. Uh, well, this has got a long way to go. I know, you know, you know. We 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 coming to the end of the show, and we could talk Wizards for an hour, but I just don't see as a Wizards fan, and I haven't watched a game this year. I'm not gonna even gonna sit here in front, but I just don't see this team being any better than the six seed, six seven seed, maybe maybe doing enough to not get not being in a playing game, maybe, but. Player development has been an issue with this team the last 20 years. It just is what it is, unfortunately.
0: Well, I'm going I'm to say this before the midnight ride to take over. Uh, <laughs> hi, Milo. The boss, BJ, will not take any more of my lunch money this season, so no 50-win prediction, no none of that. I am not saying anything about the Wizards. Have at it. That's my announcement. How do you how do you make a? All right, how do you hold make it, a okay. 50 wins when this, this team hasn't done? No, no, no. 78, 77. No. What what, what was it? 50 or sixty wins? Hold on, hold on. Which which what was it? Sixty wins? No, it was 55. fifty five. No, no, what? it was. I told, I said they were going to win fifty five because the year before they won forty nine. This is a couple years ago. This is when we first started. When we Our first started, hustling you, man. And I was like, okay, this is this team, it was John Wall, Bradley, I mean they were balling, they were in the playoffs. And I was like, the thing is, they're gonna make the playoffs. I said, This is gonna be a 50-win team, and they two games short. No, it was like two or three games short, two years in a row. I was like, Sons of bitches. Yeah, it's in the Bronx Bronx, still. Yeah. yeah, you know who Eddie Mush is. That's who you sound like when you make this 50-game <laughs> this win bet. Sounds because- like Eddie Mush, man. Because I, I had faith in this team with John and, and and Brad. Uh they had Gortat. I mean it was just I didn't think they were gonna go really, really far. I was like, this team is at least Eastern Conference Finals and lose to at the time it was Cleveland. I was like, they'll lose to Cleveland. Oh, they'll lose to Cleveland in in, in the in the uh semifinals. But It just never happened, and I was like, okay, y'all got the talent. They would lose these close games down the stretch when I just knew. I was like, oh, they got 10 games left. They can win three out of 10. I know they can, and then they wind up losing all 10. And I'm like, oh, my God, but I'm not making that type of bet because I don't feel that way about this roster the way I used to where I was like this team has so much talent and should be doing so much more. You should just be building. And we always talked about with Ernie Grunfeld, we always talked about how he kept his job. And that was that blockbuster trade at the deadline. He would always pull off a trade and it would get management off his back. And that's how he kept his job. Now, uh, uh, Tommy Shepard has had to fix all of that. And I think he's done a good job with the the scraps that he's been handed, you know, via free agency and trying to pick up uh, draft draft picks and everything. But this team, in order for them to win, they're going to have to build through the draft because, and they're going to have to get middle to lower tier free agents to fill out the roster because they're nobody like BJ said, nobody wants to come here. This used to be the town where you came in and you got your money and you know, you partied at DC live after the game. I mean, Andre Blatch fell into that partying at DC live and, and and drinking and not working on your game because you know, you pick up your check on Tuesday. That stigma is still live and and front face in DC, and it it, it has to stop. That has this used to be a winning town, it has to go back to being a winning town. So people want to come here in every sport. So, just my two cents. I think the biggest issue this team has had is with their picks they've settled for the guy that's going to be okay or be good. So, every time I saw Rui at Gonzaga, I always thought this guy was going to be pretty good. He's not going he's not going to be a superstar. But if you can get him as your fourth or fifth option on the NBA team, you know, he'll probably give you 10 rebounds, maybe give 10 points. That's about it. When I saw Kispert, I just saw a shooter, but I don't know what the upside of, of him, him is. Johnny Davis, I just see a really good ball player. Um, and then I saw picks like the kid Tyrese Halliburton, um, that was taken after and I just thought, I thought Halliburton was the better pick for them. Um, I had him hire on just one of the things that I was looking at and I felt like his upside. Like, I think sometimes because of the young Vesselis um, of this world, um, uh, because of, uh, the Kwamis, some of the picks they took in the past, I think they're almost scared of, um, taking that risk, uh, Think About Otto Porter. Otto Porter was just a very good guy. He just, but I never saw a superstar. I never saw anything that made me think that Otto Porter was going to was going to be that piece to a puzzle. Uh and, and the bad thing was he was the best of what was in that at that point in that draft. If you if you're gonna be honest with yourself, and that's why I hate sometimes when people go back and redraft, because if you're honest in a moment, sometimes these drafts play out the way they're supposed to play out. And all this, all going back um, after the fact, is just to me is garbage. So it's not I told you so, but I felt better about Halliburton than I did Hachi Murray. And I just think sometimes they don't go with that guy that the highest the higher ceiling, they go low ceiling, um, low floor. I mean, low ceiling, higher floor as opposed to a higher ceiling, lower floor.
1: And I think they, I think they're scared of missing the right. next great. Um, foreign superstar too and i think that's why you see rue and denny drafted where they were they're so scared of passing that pick and then they go off to be franchise cornerstones you know they they're looking for the next Giannis. they're looking for you know um the next whoever and they they they, like i said they've reached the last couple drafts and, and not last draft uh the jury's still out but the the, the the couple before that I would have I just would have traded the picks. I would have traded down. Got somebody that you could have drafted, put in the G League and just start over. Cuz we all know you're not changing your franchise unless you got possibly a top 3 pick. Top 3 to top 5 depending on the year. Anything other than that, you're just adding to your team hoping you you know you strike gold with a good player, you know, down the line. But this team, as far as talent evaluation and talent development, is—I mean, just we can go back to the nineties. Rasheed Wallace, right? We can stop Ben Wallace. These these are guys that went on to win the championship.
0: Rip Hamilton, one
1: of the most. Woman, Rip Hamilton. That's a whole the whole damn wizard squad.
0: Mitch Richmond, left hand, got a championship. Culture,
1: yeah he Culture. he he got a he got a championship restuffing the, the the seats on the bench. He didn't do anything. Let's not let's not pretend like he was an intricate part of that championship.
0: I, I get what you're saying. And he, when he
1: had, he had he had purple and gold paint repainting the cheers on the side.
0: <laughs> when that video surfaced of Chris Webber and Rasheed Wallace going at it in practice, yeah. and I sat there and I thought about that, and I said, okay. Granted, you traded Re- Rasheed Wallace and you got Rod Strickland back, but imagine getting the, the getting the point guard that you needed, and still keeping those guys together. I always said that if I was going to trade anybody between Rasheed, SeaWeb, and Jawan, Jawan would have to go. And I love the Fab Five. Don't you start me tonight, Ben? <laughs> we not react that, <laughs> but. I love the Fab Five, but Chris Webber and, and Jalen Rose always were my favorite. And Chris Webber just couldn't get it right here.
1: And yeah, it really and, wasn't
0: his fault, but I think West pulled the trigger too fast.
1: And I was just about to say, you had an old-school GM that was not about the games in West, And the cleaner cut out of that group was Jawan. Juwan was the cleaner cut guy. Good, good, well spoken, everything. Your bad boy is of course wherever and he got he got shipped out, you know. Um, and it's just, you know, rest his soul, it was a bad decision. You know, it was a bad decision. You got you got locked up in that contract with Juwan. And um one of the the better things Jordan did was get out of that contract and get him out of here. You know, um, that's how you were able
0: to sign Gilbert. That's how you were able to sign Antoine mm-hmm. Jameson, Corona mm-hmm. Butler. That's how all those guys came. But Gilbert was a uh, was a loophole. Gilbert played his rookie well, year and ended up getting, having been an unrestricted free agent after that. So, which was unheard of. He ended up making more money um, on his first deal, his first real deal with the Wizards than some guys made coming out in his draft class. Like Gil really set like there's a um for NBA contract Gilbert Arenas um set like a milestone on a plateau and like this I think there's like a Gilbert Arenas rule now um in place because of his deal.
1: I, I need to look that up. I would I would like to do some research on that. I never never. Knew yeah, that. he
0: was a um he was a he was either an unrestricted or a restricted free agent with Golden State after like his first or second year. Because you know, Gil messed up his um draft position just by being a jerk in the in the whole process. Yeah, because uh and what was that rookie symposium? He said he yeah. wanted to be a pimp. Uh he came to his workout and Chucks and was like, I'm not running, I'm not I'm putting to in my trucks. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah, it seemed like he wasn't about to work. So he was about to work, he just didn't want to do it for free. I can respect that. When you're good at something, don't do it for free. So Fellas, we have went over the, the allotted time, so we're gonna get up out of here. Yeah, we do. Uh, come back, do it again on Thursday for the Thursday night throwdown. So that's yeah. the boss, BJ. That's the Midnight Rider, Ben. I'm the big guy, KG, Lady C, oh Vellante, uh Jim, Junie. Everybody on special assignment tonight. They'll 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 all be somewhere around soon. So until next time we don't do no overtime we are out of here peace